0: From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio.
1: That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Radio Hour as we launch our 23rd year on the air much appreciated to everybody who has uh, helped us along the way especially you our listeners and some of the great guests we've had uh, indeed this is the day the lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it and we are glad to welcome in Dr. Crystal Leroy who is the president of Christian Brothers High School right here in Sacramento uh Dr. Leroy always always good to hear your voice
2: Thank you so much. Nice to hear yours as well. So thank you for having me today.
1: Uh, Christian Brothers has been around uh, longer than I have, <laughs> 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 and, uh, uh, which is saying something. And uh, One of the oldest high schools really in, in Sacramento, I think it's, a, it's a, a competition between you and Sac High, I think.
2: Yes, um, you know, we are at 146th year, so oh. we are we are quickly approaching our 150th anniversary. So, we've wow. been around a little bit.
1: Wow, a <laughs> Take us back uh to the to the beginning, the founding of of Christian Brothers if you can.
2: Well, you know, the background um obviously we've uh, we're in a different location that we that we were, but the brothers, um, I'll, I'll, I won't take us too far back, but our founder De La Salle, Saint John Baptiste De La Salle, um, mm-hmm. in France, it was it was his vision that we provide an education that was inclusive, um, particularly to those who were poor. Um, to which you know, centuries ago, that was not the case. We were not educating everyone. We were basically focusing on you know the more of the upper class, the wealthy population. And it was this vision that as a world, as a country, as a, as a global society, we would be better if we educated everyone so that we could be all partners and creatures of God that lived and cohabitated together.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
2: he saw this as an opportunity to to bring people together in the commonality of education, uh, their background, and then particularly the, the five core principles of our Lasallian charism um inclusivity obviously is what he was focusing on but the idea that we are here as educators to support both the academic and the social uh, emotional wellness of people is something that's been along for a long time i know we focus ab- about it right now because of uh, things like specific to the pandemic isolation
1: mm-hmm. but this
2: isn't part of this education that the brothers have provided for for, for many many years so I won't take us too far back, but just um, kind of fast-forwarding. One of the things that he really focused on was making sure that there was, you know, discipline, rigor, a quality education, and that the brothers were there for children both, you know, day and night. They were, they mm-hmm. were sisters and brothers mm-hmm. to them as people. And I think that's one of the things that really separates us when we're talking about our private, you know, uh, education that we offer is that we are focusing on the child. We are their parents. They are entrusted to our care like they are, we are their parents. We are there to love them and educate them like they were our very own child. And so that's the one thing I think really shines when this community here at Christian Brothers. When you come here, you know you have a community and you belong.
1: Yeah, I know when my uh, two oldest children went to St. James Elementary in Davis, um, I felt that way when I dropped them off at school, you know, that that I was handing them Obviously not full parenthood, but from one parent to another, you know, that that if something was going on in their lives that they th- were a little bit concerned about or happy about, they'd give me a call, you know, and, and say, hey, you know, your your daughter's this or your son's that or or uh, this is this is something that happened. And 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 I, I, I will never knock the public schools. I know people try to, to try, trying their best to do a great, great job. But it's the kind of thing that I probably wouldn't have gotten unless it was sort of extreme one way or the other, you know. Exactly, um, <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. that the, they didn't feel em- empowered to do that, you know. I mean, uh, they're not going to call me and say, you know, uh, your son wasn't paying attention when we were playing the rosary in Mass, or, or not in Mass, <laughs> but before Mass, you know. Or, you know, they were goofing around during Holy Communion. Uh, th- that probably wouldn't happen in a public school. And, uh, <laughs>
2: Definitely not. <laughs> so, well,
0: and, and, you know, that is that is the
2: importance of, having someone that is is like yourself watching and taking care of your children and you having that safe and secure mm-hmm. feeling that your child is in the best hands possible other than your own. So that's special.
1: Yeah. You know, <laughs> a little side story. I got asked one time, I, I'm a news newspaper columnist. And so they were asking pe- sort of people that were known in the community to come, this was a fifth grade in elementary school to, uh, come and do a, just read to the to the kids, you know, and so I said, sure, so I, I show up at, uh, actually, my old elementary school, and uh, um, reading to the fifth graders, and they said, did you bring a book with you, Mr. Dunning, and I said, oh, no, I didn't, and then they sh- pointed me to the library, you know, the shelf in the school, and said, uh, uh, well, why don't you just pick one off the shelf here, and I said, I see what it says, the life and times of Cesar Chavez. Ah. And I said, oh, okay. And I pick it up, open it up. This is, this is the Holy Spirit at work. <laughs> it shows him kneeling in church. And the first paragraph says, Cesar Chavez was a daily communicant in the Catholic Church. <laughs> How perfect. I read those words I could I could see the teacher's face just go white you know like <laughs> oh my gosh how did this happen in my classroom <laughs> I'm going to hear about this there were there were no repercussions but it was it was just it was one of those moments that just is funny you know absolutely but uh so that's my <laughs> that was my experience in the 5th grade at uh, <laughs> at a public school Anyway, so uh, did did the founders mention a football team?
2: <laughs> they did not mention a football team, but this is where the current status will definitely jump in. Uh, we are doing very well. Uh, we act we we won our playoff game. We actually have a bye this week because we mm-hmm. did so well, and so we play again on the 11th, which is pretty exciting. Um We are the four seed, and so we'll take on. You know, we will. We don't know who we're going to play yet, but whoever wins this weekend, right? Um, it'll be a home game here on the 11th at 7
1: p.m. So. Oh, that's just wonderful. It, you know, it's it's funny the the uh, annual Holy Bowl, which is played pretty early now. Uh, there there was a time when they kind of saved it toward the end of the year, and that's not possible anymore. But uh, it, it's it's uh, it's always been amazing to me. Um, they outdraw UC Davis, they outdraw Sac State, they outdraw everybody for the Holy bowl and you see the people showing up in their letter jackets and all this. (laughs) And it's just this, it's a sense of pride in their high school. Yeah. You know, that trans, uh, uh, you know, goes, goes above and beyond where, where they went to college, where they were from anything else. There's such a pride in our Catholic high schools. Oh,
2: the Holy, the Holy bowl is an amazing event. Um, I a you know being a fairly new here the first time I attended it was so incredible mm-hmm. how much support each side so actually my my favorite part of the whole event was bishop soto yes <laughs> who, bless him he he is a very uh, he is he's a god's child for sure yep. he has a hat for each of us <laughs> when he's on our side he's cheering for christian brothers and when he's on the other side he's cheering as well so yes. it's just um I appreciate how us and Catholic partners can work together in in unity and bring such community to both of our communities and have a wonderful football game that we both competitively want to win um, but really can appreciate the spirit of of this game bringing everyone together. So it's, it's a wonderful event.
1: We're talking with Dr. Crystal Leroy, who is the president of Christian Brothers High School here in Sacramento. Tell us a little bit about yourself
2: uh yeah thank you um i am an educator uh at my heart my soul um i've been in education for about 25 years uh while i started actually in corporate finance um i made my way over by a wonderful professor who after getting to know me said you know you should take these skills and and use them towards school and I, i had never had that thought so that was uh you know that was providence for me to be with that professor and him to give me that guidance and ever since then I've been in education.
1: Where'd you so, go to school?
2: It's just, um, you know, it's something, my, my dissertation in particular is on access and education. And so that's why Christian Brothers really resonated with me because that's the mission of Christian Brothers is to support, or uh, provide a quality education, particularly to the poor. So I'm in the right place. I'm the vo- serving in the vocation that I think is, couldn't have been better planned for me. So I'm, I'm quite happy in the way that I'm able to be an extension of God and and educate kids while also educating their spirits, their minds, their their bodies. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity, and I'm I'm humbled and privileged.
1: Uh, where did where did you where did you go undergrad, and where did you get your doctorate?
2: Uh, my undergrad uh, is in international relations at Northwestern University, and my. Uh, upper uh, graduate uh, degree is from Loyola University in Chicago, and it's in a social uh, an administration and educational leadership.
1: Do you know Sister Jean?
2: I don't know her personally, but <laughs> she's a star in my mind. She <laughs> Isn't is she <laughs> amazing? I it was she was an incredible part of that basketball run. I mean, just just having her as the inspiration is just a whole other aspect of the game that you never would have appreciated unless. Those two things were together, Sister Jean and the Loyola basketball team. It, it was an amazing combination. She was just as much a star, if not a bigger star, than every team, every kid on that team.
1: Yeah, you know, it was it was so wonderful. It was so heartening to see, in 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 the strangest of ways, a real bright light sh- shining on the Catholic Church, yeah. on the education you would get at Loyola Chicago. Um, the Ramblers, I, I remember years and years and years ago when Cincinnati and the big O were the, were the, that was, they were the, the, the big <laughs> yeah. shots in college basketball and they were going for their third straight and who knocked them off in the championship game, but Loyola Chicago, who at that time I was a little kid. I hadn't, I didn't, ha- hadn't even heard of them, you know, and I go, wow.
2: You and many others.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's a great story. And, uh, God bless her. That that was so much fun to see that run. I think the whole country was rooting. And who knows how many conversions came about? Somebody looking and saying, "I want to be like her." Oh,
2: for for sure. I mean, I I, I really do think Sister Jean put you know Loyola Chicago on the map. Like because no one no one was not. I won't say no one. Let me rephrase. She gave a new inspiration to. What that university could bring, both in Catholicism and as an academic institution, that would not have been promoted in the way that it would have if we hadn't have been a prominent football uh, basketball team that year. So, I uh, know
1: uh, yeah, I know my, I know my own, own mother uh, was grew up Lutheran in North Dakota, which is state law, and uh, <laughs> you know she she went to Catholic nursing school in Bismarck, and she converted, and she said those nuns that were teaching me. They, she said, they didn't try to convert me. She said, they just led by example. She said, they had something, and I wanted it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and,
2: I mean, that's really, you know, we, um, you know, we, we, obviously, because we're providing access to a quality education, we are, we, everyone here is not Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, although there, you know, has been, you know, some decline in Catholicism, I was excited that our Catholicism actually rose from last year to this year, mm-hmm. um, and that was where you know it's amazing. And when, when I speak to some of the faculty and staff and the students in particular, we have one student that I've been going to mass with all morning last year, and she never she didn't take communion. And she this particular year, the first mass of the year, she took communion, and she was so proud. And she pulled me to the side and just kind of explained her journey about how, you know, our school was a part of that journey, you know. And she's, you know, obviously, you know, a freshman-sophomore age student who who made a very conscious choice to become a Catholic, and Christian Brothers supported that that you know inkling, and it, it, she just it was it was really important to her, and it was it was really great for me as a leader to kind of be a part of that and to see that. So. You know, I, I think you're right about that. You know, sometimes conversions happen without you even knowing them, or you just causing that environment that makes it so. so.
1: Yeah, it, it. You you never know. I, I always tell my kids that uh, you are a role model when you walk into Seven Eleven to buy a Slurpee. You're you're a yep. role model <laughs> uh, every moment of your life. People people are observing you, not in some sinister way, but they're they're observing you. You know, you. Uh, are a a new mother or a new father and you walk into the grocery store with an infant. And if you act like it's the worst day of your life, or if you act like it's the greatest joy in your life.
2: Yes. 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 People pick up from that and want to be a part of it, especially if you're, if you're gleaming with, you know, positivity, they're relating how, why is this person so positive? What has made that, what has made that person so joyful? And for many of us, it is being a part of God's home and ha- having that faith that makes us be as happy as we are. So promoting that is important. We are always role models. I agree with you.
1: So if you're you, uh, Northwestern, Loyola, um, you must have Illinois in your blood.
2: Yes, yes, uh, definitely. From Chicago, uh, you know, our, our son actually uh, went to northern Illinois, played football out there. So mm. you know, a, lo- a lot of Illinois in our blood. Uh, one day I see my mom and dad still live there, so we try to get there back you know pretty often. But right now my my roots are in Sacramento here, Christian Brothers, and so I love both my homes.
1: Well, the Northern Huskies—they've had some pretty darn good football teams in the MAC.
2: Yes, yes, they made it um, during my son's uh, college career. They they had two bowl games. Yes, uh, so that was that was pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great. I mean, we always here when we hear Northwestern, we think. Stanford, Harvard, <laughs> you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. it's like there's the three that everybody kind of expires to go to, uh, Harvard, Northwestern, and Stanford. <laughs> I don't know why, it just is, you know, they they really do have that academic reputation.
2: And, and, you know, and their football team's not doing so bad either this no.
1: year. Yeah.
2: So they've, come, they've come a long way, so they really, any given year for them. I'm, I'm always rooting for the Wildcats.
1: Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> and they've got a great coach that's uh, been there forever and He's a wildcat, too, so that's, all, that's always great. So tell us, um, how did you guys survive the pandemic at Christian Brothers?
2: You know, it was, you know, by the grace of God, we were able to, to really pivot with very little uh, downtime. We had one day that we transitioned uh, from, you know, regular in-person uh, education to our virtual education, and then the moment that we were able to get an okay from the county to actually have in-person education, we quickly changed to a hybrid model which really supported everyone. It supported kids that needed to be in person to be educated, it supported families that needed for their kids to be at, work, at school, but then it also supported families that had different types of medical situations. Not everyone could could go and have the opportunity to be in person due to they either had an elderly family member or a vulnerable member. So it was fantastic that we had the equipment. We have um, we're a one-to-one school uh, with technology, so everyone had access to, uh, you know, a laptop or an iPad. Um, for students and families that didn't have internet access, we provided everyone with hotspots. Um, I thought we did a really excellent job at providing and delivering a quality education during that time. But more importantly, our counselors were also available. Our teachers were counselors. Um, our official counselors were counselors, our administrators Mm -hmm. were there for kids, and I think that is why we were able to stay open, we were safe, we were able to provide education, and families have extended their gratitude. They still do to this day on how different from other schools that they were aware of. They thought we really exceeded expectations, and I feel that we've done that as well.
1: Yeah, and everything I've heard uh, from talking to principals of some of the elementary schools as well is is all the teachers they saw it as mission you know this was uh it didn't matter how much extra work it was how much harder it was how different it was from kind of what they signed up for yes. this was their mission to educate those kids and take care of those kids
2: yes yes um i know i say it often but the, they're entrusted to our care that is a responsibility and i i take it very seriously and, and our talented faculty and staff do as well and so that shows up here it's very visible on our campus, and it was visible, visible in our virtual online learning as well. So very proud of that, very.
1: So where do, where do Christian Brothers grads go off to college? Or, or you know, some of, them, some of them probably go in the military. Some of them probably start in, in the workforce, but I know the vast majority uh, go off to college.
2: Oh yes, I mean we have all over. We have you know we have the Ivy Leagues as we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. Northwestern, Stanford, uh, all the, the the different schools that we have in that area. But we also have the UCs. The uh, you know we have our you know our Lathalian neighbors that they go to mm-hmm. as well. I mean we do have military. We do have kids that go in and go off to service and do mission work. Um, so it's a variety. We also have kids who who aspire to do something different, and they take gap years and do, you know, some different type of learning that is a, different than your traditional education. Mm-hmm. So I think we really take pride in preparing every kid for both college goals and life goals and in preparing them mentally for whatever that next step looks like. So. The rigorous education gets you wherever you want to go, but you also have choices in doing something different as well. So I feel that's, a, that's an important aspect of our education.
1: I would presume some of them uh, head into the Lasallian Tunnel and go straight to St. Mary's.
2: Oh, yes, yeah. St. Mary's. Um, you know, There's Lewis University, uh, Manhattan mm-hmm. College. Uh, Lewis University's in Illinois. Manhattan right. College is uh, in the Bronx. I mean, these are – and there are students, uh, and there's you know some discount advantage there, uh, FYI. Uh, so I think it's um I think it's great when they take the Lasian charism and continue it throughout. And so those are those are things that we promote and want to make sure that we you know our students do take advantage of and that they feel like is a good place for them and a good fit. So we often have that's where you know teachers both in the classroom and outside of the classroom can encourage kids to nurture any type of goals that they may have that are beyond just ed education they may have interest in the brotherhood um or becoming a sister mm-hmm. so
1: mm-hmm.
2: there's all sorts of avenues with this college edu- with this high school education for sure
1: so you know you're you're a co-ed school uh, a lot of, a lot of catholic schools even in 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 our area are not as some are um do you evaluate that uh what are the pros and cons
2: Sure. I, I definitely am a proponent of co-ed education. I do think that it mirrors what life is going to look like in the future. Um, and I and I love my Catholic partners and I support, of course, uh, the position that works best for each student because there are some students who, who would thrive better in a gender yeah. uh, single gender school. But what a co-ed does offer is the ability to be in an atmosphere that is going to mirror your next job. Um, it is likely that your next your the job that you're looking for, <clears throat> the career you're looking for will be a coed environment, and so having you know having women and men be able to present and feel comfortable in with both genders, um, that is something that I, has been noted to me as wow I've never I've never ever spoken in front of men uh, I've never presented in front of men because if you're in an all girl this is an example an all girl school, and so that's just a different hurdle I mean it's you know it's certainly they can thrive and be successful, but just having that experience of being in an environment and understanding the different perspectives that come from different genders, you'll only get that from a co-ed environment. And so you will certainly have the skills to, to, you know, matriculate at the next step, but you do have a sense of preparation when you've been in the environment, um, both socially and, uh, you know, academically, there is a difference between genders and you do get that experience in a co-ed environment.
1: Talk a little bit about about community service. I know that's that's huge at Christian Brothers.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, you know, we. I am proud to say that we don't mandate hours for service. It's because it's so in you know engraved in our mission. It's kids enjoy it. They love it. Um, we've done a lot to make sure that we promote service in the Oak Park area first, because mm-hmm. that's where we reside. We've mm-hmm. made some conscious decisions to put forth our efforts that are going to be where the community that we live in and which wellsprings oh my gosh is, is just amazing um you know it's a it's, students come on tuesdays and they make breakfast and food All and right. they prepare and they bring it over to uh to wellsprings and it is it is just a delight it's a delight to see the, the kids work in community when they're preparing the food it's a delight to see that they are they understand the need for this service, mm-hmm. and then to go and to, to bring it, the, the families love to see that the women and children love to see our Christian Brothers students come and help be a part of their community. It's inspiring. It's obviously a need that, that, that is being met, but it's something that everyone enjoys, and so I think they, they go away knowing what that work that they've done how that looks to other people, that's what inspires them to go and think of their own things and do other type of advocacy work in other areas, but that's just like a a foundation for many kids to see it and experience how the other people feel from their contributions. It's a a really wonderful thing. We do um, a variety of different, you know, retreats uh, that kind of have that same spirit, whether it's cleaning in a community whether it's tutoring, uh, there's so many things that we offer here, but ultimately, what each kid walks away from, is, know, walks away with, is knowing how they, as an individual, can contribute on a local level, and how what they're doing can contribute to the greater good, even if it's an hour, 10 minutes, uh, whatever that is, even if it's just saying hi um, in a you know, senior citizen home. It's something that they're giving, and it makes a very big difference in the long run.
1: You know it's amazing WellSpring, all the great work they do, and and they're very quiet about it. You don't you don't you don't see WellSpring in the news very much. You don't you know they're just go about their business and just uh, do a wonderful job.
2: Yes, yes, it's um, and that's how it's supposed to work, and that uh, that that humbleness is what we're also wanting our kids to learn from this experience. It's when you give to others, it's not about putting it on a, a billboard. It's about your heart and knowing that you and your spirit have done what God has presented to you as an opportunity and you've taken that opportunity and of course you're always a representative of our Falcons but um, it's really for who you are as a person that I want them to all walk away with and I want them to carry it out and want to do it in the future. So that's why I feel so proud that we don't have mandated because you know it is something that they want to do from our hearts and the other part of service is our you know extended beyond our kids. This community is built on the community out above and beyond those who are in the walls of the school between, you know, eight and five. It is our community members who constantly volunteer, constantly Falcon Friends. Um, service really goes a long way, both when you're in your four years here, after, and, and even beyond. So,
1: Well, uh, Dr. Chris- Crystal Leroy, it's, it's such a joy to talk with you. I, I know, I'm not- I know You've probably got about 16 people outside your office waiting to talk to you for some reason. But...
2: <laughs> maybe not 16, maybe just a couple, but okay. it's been a pleasure. Pop, thank you for having me on the show. I mean, this is, this is very nice of you. I feel honored to, to get 30 minutes to speak with you because you're quite busy too. So thank you for thinking I had um something valuable to offer.
1: Well, I appreciate it very much. And uh, we'll be rooting for the Falcons on November the 11th and, uh, um, good luck to them throughout the playoffs, and uh, we will. Uh, I hope our paths cross again one day soon.
2: Thank you very, very much, and God bless
1: you. Yeah, God bless you, too. Thanks, thanks so much, Dr. Crystal Leroy, who is the president of Christian Brothers High School. I love it when people say, God bless you. Um, <laughs> it always takes you back, and it you get kind of a glow. And I think it, the world would be a better place if people greeted each other or, or said goodbye to each other that way. We'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store. Donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Four seven two zero, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour.
2: Uh, This is Bishop William K. Wiegand, the Bishop Emeritus of Sacramento, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Denning.
1: Thank you, Bishop Wiegand, for your... Wonderful introduction, and uh, for all you have uh, done and continue to do here in the Diocese of Sacramento, Bishop Emeritus, uh, in theory means you are a bit retired, but uh, I, I remember uh, and I know all the functions they go to and uh, uh, usually see uh, Bishop Wigand in attendance, and it's always a, always a joy to see him, and uh, came here from uh, the Diocese of Salt Lake City, which uh, covered the entire state of Utah, and was a very popular man in uh, in Salt Lake as well. So we were lucky to have him. And he was uh, instrumental in starting the, uh, the Bishop's Hour uh, 23 years ago. Uh, he and uh, Monsignor Jim Murphy and uh, uh, the late Father Sylvester McDermott um, were all put their heads together and decided they wanted a, a daily catholic radio program with with the encouragement of Doug Sherman who was the founder of uh, Immaculate Heart Radio at the time and uh, by golly the the rest is history so it's been a, a it has and continues to be a a great joy uh for me to be uh hosting the bishop's hour and of course bishop soto has been uh, so supportive of of the radio both and and uh uh he and uh, also is so supportive of our sister station uh, uh, Radio Santissimo Sacramento which has just a tremendous number of volunteers and a tremendous number of uh, great programs and and a huge listening audience so uh, that has been been uh, a great thing as well in spreading the good word about our Catholic faith uh, so much so much happening in the in the in the diocese of sacramento um uh the uh, uh we should point out that the uh, as we've turned the calendar here to uh november and looking at the christmas season and thanksgiving and etc uh, it's funny one, one of one of my kids the other day they said what's your what's your favorite what's your favorite holiday and i'm like uh thanksgiving and I, they say, why? Well, we're giving, we're giving thanks to God. It's usually a big family holiday. Um, it's it's one of my favorites, you know. And I, obviously, Christmas. Obviously, Easter. From a when you're talking about re- religious holidays, Thanksgiving is kind of kind of uh, borders the uh, the two between Christmas and uh, between uh, religion and and the secular. Um, uh, everybody. Seemingly celebrates Thanksgiving, whether they're religious or not. But uh, originally, everybody was giving thanks to God. And one of the joys for me on Thanksgiving, in addition to the Run to Feed the Hungry, uh, which uh, uh, Bishop Soto was always the official starter for, um, if you can find, it, and most places will have it, most parishes will have it, uh, a morning mass on Thanksgiving, it's just a great way. To uh, begin Thanksgiving and truly give thanks uh, to our our Creator. So uh, anyway, a lot a lot happening. The uh, Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra will have its annual Christmas concert uh, in uh, in early December, and we'll uh, talk with Jim McCormick, uh, the president and CEO of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra. Will be uh, uh, along. Uh, not later today, but in a few weeks to tell us all about it, but it is it 's a wonderful event and yeah they 're not afraid to sing the uh, you know the religious Christmas carols if you will. they have a sing along and just so much uh, so much uh, great stuff happening uh, as we move into into the Thanksgiving season and into the uh, into the uh, Christmas season as well you know i 'm looking at the uh, n- the latest edition of the Catholic Herald. Magazine, and I uh, I always uh, look forward to uh, Bishop Soto's column, uh, which is featured very uh, like almost the opening page, the Christmas mystery heralded the revelation of the Eucharistic mystery as we are you know in in the uh, beginnings of our Eucharistic revival, which I'm just. Thrilled that we're doing that and excited that we're doing that. So i f- highly recommend you turn to page four of the new Catholic Herald magazine and uh, take a look at uh, Bishop Soto's, uh, Bishop Jaime Soto's column there. Well, we are just pleased and honored to welcome in Lincoln Snyder, who is the president and CEO of the National Catholic Educational Association. Uh, Lincoln, good to hear your voice.
0: Yeah, great to talk to you. It's been way too long, Bob.
1: It has been way too long. Lincoln, you've relocated to the East Coast, is that correct?
0: I have. You know, as much as I love my hometown, it turned out that Sacramento to Washington, D.C. was kind of a lousy commute. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my dear family and I are living in Falls Church, Virginia.
1: Very good. Well, that's a beautiful area. Be a beautiful area, nice people, and uh, a great state. The Commonwealth of Virginia.
0: Indeed, the Commonwealth of Virginia. There's 49 uh,
1: states and a Commonwealth, right? (laughs) Exactly. Just
0: like 49 states have uh, counties and then there's parishes in Louisiana. That's right. Exactly right.
1: Exactly right. So uh, all kinds of news, uh, a lot about the pandemic and test scores and et cetera. Explain what's going on. And and, uh, we don't like to compare but other people are making the comparisons as to how well the Catholic schools have done uh, and the enrollment uh, going up.
0: Yeah, so we had a big announcement last week with uh, um, the, the U.S. Department of Education has their uh, their report. that's called the Nation's Report Card, or the mm-hmm. NAEP. And your, your uh, listeners can Google that if they're curious. But uh, Catholic schools uh, performed... Very well on that assessment. Um, so it was actually kind of neat. I was at the National Press Club, which is uh, you know old building in, in Washington D.C., and was there for the live rollout of uh, of the test results from the U.S. Department of Education. And our Catholic schools were uh, essentially the top performers in the nation for uh, for academic outcomes uh, over the COVID period.
1: Wow, that's that's just is is this. Uh, a change, or is this just? I mean, I think the the results are actually dramatic.
0: They are. Well, I mean, I, I I will say first of all, it it didn't come as a surprise to me. I and you and I talked uh, all the time, all throughout COVID, about what our teachers were doing in Sacramento. You know, making the making the sacrifice to go back to school in person as early as possible and being there for the kids and. And really, you know, our Catholic schools offered the most in-person instruction in the Sacramento area throughout COVID of any system. And that story played out across 174 other dioceses and 5,900 other schools nationally. So, I mean, we were very proud of how we did in Sacramento. But the truth is Catholic educators everywhere bent over backwards to offer much, as much desk time as possible to students during, during COVID, and I you am know, very proud of our our team to say that that we're now see, seeing the uh, the fruits of that labor in, in the testing results come back
1: and some of those testing results um, state by state were very troubling.
0: yeah, you know I, I think that what we've learned is that teaching matters
1: you know, and <laughs> when you're not
0: in front of kids, yep. they don't learn as much and um You know, we know that, that, and and this is not to assign blame to any one person, we know that that every system faced, um, you know, health concerns and political challenges and and, uh, collective bargaining issues and all sorts of reasons that, that, um, you know, made it difficult for a lot of folks to come back in person. But teaching matters. And, uh, you know, for us as a Catholic system, well over 93% of our schools were in person last year at the earliest possible date. So I think this is, again, a national trend for us as church is that, the second we had the opportunity to serve kids in person, we did, and uh, the outcome was that if you look at the data, if Catholic schools were a state, we would have been the highest performing state of the nation. Yep. Uh, throughout yep. the COVID period, for our
1: results. Yeah, that's 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 the simplest metric to 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 really understand. Is yeah, if Catholic schools had been uh, the fifty-first state, uh, they would have been number one. Uh, Indeed. Uh, Now, they give these tests, what, to fourth graders and eighth graders? Is that right?
0: Fourth graders and eighth graders. And this has been a a test that's been running for decades and decades and decades. And it's the best lateral test we've got. It's kind of a neat test because you never find out as an individual school how your kids did. It's not like the SAT where somebody gets, like, a grade or a score at the end of it. They administer this test, and then it tracks the exact same things now that it did when they started it. And so you know how a kid did in 2022 vis-a-vis a kid in 1990 because mm-hmm. it's, it's measuring the performance against the same standards. And so, yeah, Youth Department of Education sends out a letter to principals and say, hey, you've been randomly selected to be a star school for this year. We're going to show up in the show. They bring the computers. They bring the, you know, they bring the, the, the test givers, everything. So as a, as a teacher, sorry, rather, as a principal, rather, he's say, like, okay, yeah, coming in and test my kids. They show up. They bring everything. They run the test. It takes two hours. They leave, and then um, months later, you get this—you uh, get this study uh, explaining how different states and different systems did.
1: Can we, uh, as you look at the state data, as as an educator, can, can you can you draw any? I, you know, I tried to connect the dots, and uh, you know, I saw states that surprised me that were high and states surprised me that were low. Not, not that they were high. They were higher than uh, compared sure. by comparison. Nobody was high other than the Catholic schools.
0: <laughs> well, you know, and that's a great question. And people do play that game uh, of trying to figure out how you did. You know, it's not the only test that out, is out there. So we have friends at companies like Renaissance, for example, that Sacramento uses, um, that to, to do formative assessment. Um, And so you you can look at the the different data sets and say, okay, well, we did did this well on this test, and we did this well on that test, and you can say, okay, how much time were kids in in school? When did they come back? Um, You know, some places that didn't have as much desk time, like uh, L.A. City Unified, did comparatively well on this test. And so, Mm -hmm. so like, so you look at all the big public school districts, L.A. City Unified, and, you know, God God bless L.A. City Unified for that outcome, Um, you know, that's – it appears according to the data they serve kids well despite all the challenges they had with coming back in class instruction so yeah, so everybody's very interested to to see um, to see what uh, what's behind the numbers
1: yeah and I guess when I talk about connecting the dots uh, does every, and are people looking at you know amounts spent per child uh, statewide that kind of things or or uh, how how do you evaluate that data? Whether whether you were one of the higher performing or lower performing states?
0: Yeah, a lot of it is deductive, where right? you say, okay, well, we did this well and not that well. So, how much desk time did we have? When did we come back to school? How much money did we have for pupil? How were we spending the money? Um, you know, so like LA, um, L.A., for example said, well, we spent X number of dollars on doing uh, after school tutoring for kids in English and math, and so. We think that's part of the reason we did well, for example. So um, the, the U.S. Department of Education is actually very friendly. They've got data scientists, and they're just as curious as we are as to, okay, why did we do so well? And so, um, you know, they've dumped this big <laughs> data set, uh, and uh, we'll be having that very conversation for the next two years until the next test to come up with our best hypotheses as to why we did well. Um, but at the end of the day, we know for Catholic schools that you know our teachers were in person. Most importantly, you know it, one of the things we know from studies—it's not just the desk time. When you show a kid that you're really invested in them mm-hmm. as an individual and how they do, they respond to that love and they put more into their learning. And so part of the reason that Catholic schools have always done well is we know that 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 mission approach—that you know we work. Really to cultivate as as church. Um, does have an effect on how well kids learn. All of the things aside, so you have all these different effects. Uh, and uh, yeah, well, I, I we're in conversation right, right now with our friends over at the Department of Education to um, to study that. So okay, we think we may have done better because of this. What what do you think the data tells us?
1: Wow, that's yeah. That that <laughs> I'm sure over there they're going. OK, you guys you guys have the magic potion here. And, you know, I heard it in, in all the times, Lincoln, that I would uh, talk to uh, whether they're principals or presidents at our Catholic high schools or principals at our elementary schools. Uh, they said what, what really got them through that pandemic was a sense of mission on the part of the faculty and, and, the, and the students and the parents uh, all kind of together on the same team. Uh, Through difficult times uh, and uh, you weren't having faculty members saying, well, you know, I didn't sign up for double duty here or I didn't sign up for, you know, teaching remotely, which which happened early on. Uh, You know, I didn't sign up for all this extra stuff. And nobody said that. It was like I signed up to educate these kids, the whole kid, you know, uh, not just, you know, uh, not just their mind, but but everything and And, as a result of that it's just what you say the the results are astounding,
0: yeah you know, we're, it, it was the, the pandemic was stressful for everybody and and um, you know we, we didn't really know we we had our best scientific hypotheses again, as okay, well, if we do this and that'll help or do that, that won't help. But you know I, I, the Catholic system chose to be all in for being in person as much as possible and I mean, we're very proud to say that we offered in-person instruction. Our kids did not get sick. We did not have fatalities. Um, so a lot of the worst fears were mitigated through very hard work. It wasn't coincidence. I mean, you recall we were masked up and doing screenings, and, I mean, everybody just bent over backward to get kids back into school and keep them there. But, um, you know, the outcome is that our uh, students performed uh, performed really well. Like I said, we're very proud of the fact that, that, um, you know, we we did go that extra mile, and and I think that's showing up in the numbers. Not that we don't have our work cut out for us, and so I I do want to talk a little bit about areas where everybody still needs to grow, but, you know, all in all, we we, we see that our kids did benefit from being in
1: Catholic school. Yeah, you weren't defying local authorities or health guidance or anything else. You were strictly following it but doing what you could within that framework. Well, sure.
0: Absolutely. Governor Newsom and and the California Department of Public Health came out and said, if you do the following seven things, you're going to be able to mitigate the spread of COVID in schools and operate in class successfully. So we did them and it worked. So we were not not going counter to the health authorities of anything. We were following every single suggestion. But because of that, we were the system that was back in school. It's kind of this ironic thing that, you know, actually we were the rules followers. Right. And it turned out it was pretty good, sound scientific advice. I mean, I know we debated, debated a lot of things around the edges and different things were controversial. But at the end of the day, they said, here's a list of seven things. Do all these and you'll be safe. And we did it. And now that we didn't have, you know, quarantines and surprises and things. But, you know, nobody died on our watch. Kids stayed in class. Um, you know, the, the outcomes were, were positive.
1: Yeah, Let's talk about what you were just saying about, uh, other areas where, you know, you, you are concerned about.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I think that it's a proud moment as, as Catholic schools, you know, I am, I'm, I'm fearful as an American for this generation. Everybody's behind a little bit, even for us, eighth grade scores in math are not what we'd like them to be. You know, and, and you think about when you get into eighth grade in mathematics, you're having to learn things like algebra, for example. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, it's not not as easy to teach at home or, or via zoom and um, you know and desk time matters and so you know, even for us we still had disruption and our kids are still a little bit behind in some areas so it's not like we're um, gloating uh, you know we know that we have our work cut out for us too I mean I, as I'm as, as I'm giving my talks nationally now um, we have to focus really hard to make sure our kids, End up where they would have been if COVID had never happened, and so that's going to be a heavy lift because COVID affected everybody—not just uh, academically, but also emotionally. Mm -hmm. You know, a million Americans died. We know that every family suffered losses, either immediately within the family or from you know friends' families who lost someone. So, uh, yeah, you know, we, we we know that that it's not like we can forget about COVID like it never happened, even as the Catholic system, having done relatively well, we've got our work cut out for us. Um, but that stated it's an achievable goal. We just have to focus on it. Um, you know, and for, I think for everybody out there, you know, and numbers don't tell stories the way people tell stories, but I, I to sum it up succinctly, um, you know, th- this generation of students is going to need extra help because they're not, I mean, and I mean nationally, I'm not talking about Catholic schools now, but but schools nationally, mm-hmm. you see some groups of kids not recovering or having fallen so far behind that it's going to be very challenging for them to recover, or they're already well into high school and they don't have time to recover. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I really do feel that, that the top issue for education is making sure, okay, what, what can we do to help American students nationally at all levels, all demographics, all kinds of schools, to make sure that we don't end up with like a lost generation of kids who are all graduating from high school and then college behind. Uh, you know we, we I think we owe it to them to to really make this the top goal getting them accelerated through these problems.
1: So, yeah, that's that's the question I had is uh, I was looking at all this statewide data almost like I was looking at football scores or something, you know, and uh-huh. and it says, "Oh, this this state uh the math proficiency was only 34 percent of where they should be Uh and i'm going okay so that's troubling and yeah we're blaming the pandemic and etc but what can we do for those students that are so unproficient in math what what what's where's the remediation for that
0: Sure, and so we're talking about acceleration and not remediation. Here's the difference. Remediation would be go back and reteaching a course that a kid already failed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Acceleration means that you're looking at what's essential for a kid to learn before they get to the next level. So if you think of a house, in any house, you have load-bearing walls, then you have partition walls or architectural walls. You know? And so when you build a house, you have to, or when you're remodeling a house, You can take out the demising walls, but you can't take out the load-bearing walls. Right. And so the focus right now for learners has to be on uh, those load-bearing walls. You know, my colleague Julie Julie Vogel says that uh, mathematics is relentlessly cumulative. In other words, you have to learn one thing to make it to the next thing. (laughs) And in math, there's some things that are nice to learn. But there's some things that you have to learn right. to make it to the next year. And so, for us teachers, we have to focus on teaching kids the things that they absolutely have to learn to pass them on to the next grade. This is not a time to focus on all of the on, on all of the uh, non-load bearing walls. We got to build the house with the load bearing load bearing walls first and foremost.
1: I didn't know you major in architecture.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so enough time in remodeling school facilities. I had to learn a thing or two. But, <laughs> but, uh, don't not ask me to build the building, Bob. Please. <laughs> uh, uh, we need
1: our a kitchen remodel, Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, here you uh, for people that don't know, Lincoln was the superintendent of schools here in the diocese of Sacramento before uh, uh, going national on us. And uh, uh, describe describe your. Your day, your week, your month. Now, as a, a national director, uh, spend a lot of time in, in, at the Capitol. Do you spend a lot of time traveling? How, how, how is how is that? How is your job duties? How has that changed?
0: Well, it's funny. I actually did just spend a day at the Capitol with a, a couple hundred of my closest friends, including uh, Executive Director uh, Katie Parada. From
1: oh wow! From Sacramento.
0: Yeah, and Samara Palko, who's our new director of the California Catholic Conference Education Department, Mm -hmm. uh, along with Lori Power and Tasha Tillotson. So we we do an event every year called the Catholic Leadership Summit, and uh, so we decided to work with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, the USCCB, to do a Hill Day. So everybody came into town, we trained them on advocacy, and then we went and met with our senators' offices and representatives' offices, and you know, my case got to be with the Minority Leader's office and the uh, House Minority Leader's office and the the people who actually write the bills for the Uh House and the Senate and talk about uh, educational choice and religious liberty. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a really fun day out. You know, there's a lot of obviously it's a big um, big year for um, elections and not to not to get into politics, but I can say on the on the technical side. You know, there's people that are writing things, and you want the people that are writing the bills to be very aware of, sure. you know, what, what works for the church and what wouldn't serve the church well, and we've got 5,940 schools, we've got 146,000 educators, and we've got 1.7 million kids, Wow! and we've got the best test scores in the nation, so yeah, yeah a lot yeah. of my job is just advocating, um, you know, we're not the lobbyist. USCCB is, uh, but we do collect all the data and help... Um, tell the story of why uh, Catholic schools are such a gem and so worthy of uh, preservation for the nation, not just for the church.
1: Uh, you know, it's so well said. You know, if, if I'm if I'm a Congressperson, a U.S. Senator, or the House of Representatives, and and I'm concerned about education, which I should be because my constituents are concerned about it, and here's a an organization that represents 1.7 million students, and they just blew the top off the test scores uh the the, led every state in the nation with all the different demographics in our country these guys were number one and that's a nationwide score for you guys um encompassing catholic schools in every state uh i gotta i gotta i gotta listen to you and see what you're doing
0: yeah i mean we um you know we we are very humble as as church as we should be we're a church for goodness' effects we're supposed to be humble uh, and, you know that's stated we we have a, a brilliant system that that serves communities really well. Uh, I think if you looked at that data, for example, kids who are on free and reduced lunch in Catholic schools, um, which you know there might be a stereotype that Catholic schools are just for re- rich kids. it's not true. If kids who were getting free lunch at Catholic schools, that would be generally considered poverty line or below, mm-hmm. if they were a state, they'd be the third best ranking state in the nation, very wow. close to the top. Wow. And so, uh, you know, that, and it really wasn't a big difference between us and number one. So, um, you know, we we know that Catholic schools are serving the church community. But we also know, for example, we're serving kids of lesser means really well, too. And so, um, you know, we we know that Catholic schools produce servant leaders. Uh, We know that we can be relied on for teaching dialogue and civic values. Uh, You know, for us, we do it for evangelization because we want to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. But there's civic value in what we do too, and we like telling that story.
1: Yeah, amen. Yeah, there is civic value in it. There's tremendous civic value in it. In fact, we could we could use uh, some civic value in our country right now, for sure.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we. I mean, we're very proud of the fact that you know, we've got data showing that Catholic schools just don't get good test scores. We form servant leaders in Christ and we see people engaged in serving their communities after a Catholic education. And we also do the best job of teaching people how to have discourse and dialogue with people that might share different beliefs.
1: Yeah, and you know, if you look at uh, just elected officials or, or CEOs or uh, people in the workforce, et cetera, it's not partisan. There, there's, you know, there's, there's Catholics throughout all, you know, different political persuasions and, uh, uh, jobs and et cetera. You know, it's not like, well, all the Catholics are over here and all, you know, everybody else is over here. It's not the way it is. The Catholics are uh, permeating throughout, throughout it all. Lincoln, we are against the clock here. We're flat out of time. I think I could talk to you for three or four more hours, but thanks for <laughs> the, the great work you're doing. I'm, I'm, uh pleased with the test results, and uh, um, know that you folks are, uh, all our kids are in in good hands. So thanks so much, and God bless you and your family and uh, your work, and we'll look forward to our paths crossing again soon.
0: Absolutely, Bob. Thank you so much. Always happy to talk. I I appreciate the
1: conversation. Great. Thanks so much, Lincoln. That's Lincoln Snyder, who is the president and CEO of the National Catholic Educational Association, the national organization representing all of our Catholic schools throughout all 50 states. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town,